0: you 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 Dead in marriage. Dead end life. Dead in job. Dead inside. to see you guys. Thanks for joining us today. We just take a moment at all of our campuses and just thank God for our amazing, talented bands that we have at every one of our campuses. Aren't we blessed? Man, it's amazing to me how how God's just Gifted us with some amazing people, so we're just so so grateful for that. Thanks for joining us today. As we're starting a brand new series today here at Church Unlimited called Stop Walking Dead, maybe you feel like you're just going through the motions in your life and you feel lifeless at work, lifeless in your own home, lifeless in your daily routine. But I believe that God has way more for you, and that's what this message series is all about. That's why we're talking today about Believe Again, message one of Stop Walking Dead, how we need to believe again that God has more for us. I'm so glad you guys have joined us. I want to say a quick hello to all. All of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Hey, let's share a mission statement together. Can we do that? What are we here to do? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die Period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thank you for joining us today. Pull out your notes if you would. Today we're talking uh, from Ezekiel chapter thirty-seven. I'm sure you've been reading Ezekiel all week, but anyways, pull it out. Ezekiel chapter thirty-seven It's kind of one of those books that's tucked away in the Old Testament. We typically don't get to, but this this guy's a prophet and he has a vision that God gives him about taking something dead and bringing it back to life. And I believe we can all learn some lessons on how to do that with different areas of our lives. Jeremiah said this, actually the Lord said through Jeremiah, I am the Lord, is anything too hard for me? Now when God asks you a question, he already knows the answer. So keep that in mind. God, like a good lawyer, only asks questions. He knows the answers. He knows the answers to everything, of course. But a good lawyer asks you a question that they know the answer to because they're trying to lead you to a conclusion, right? And so God, when he's asking you a question, he already knows the answers. So he's trying to lead you to a new conclusion. So if God says, is there anything too hard for me, what's the answer to that? No, there's nothing too hard for you, right? So there's nothing he cannot do. And so I want to start off with that, and then we're going to see another question that God asks Ezekiel here in Ezekiel chapter 37. It says this in verse 1. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord. Sovereign means God of control. So sovereign Lord, God of control. You alone know the answer to that. If God asks Ezekiel the question, he's trying to open Ezekiel's mind. So, the first thing that I want to ask you is can God take a dead area of your life and bring it to life again? Can He? Can He take a dead marriage and turn it around? Can He take a dead career and turn it around? Can He take someone who's dying and make them healthy? Can He take bad health and make it healthy? Can He break you of addiction? Is there anything the Lord can't do? Let's start with that premise. See, oftentimes we forget that there's nothing the Lord can't do. So what happens is if God can take dead things and make them alive again, then why have we given up? Right? See, we give up on things before God says, God is saying to you today, I'm not done with it. You shouldn't be done either. I'm not done with your marriage, even though you think you are. I'm not done with your career, even though you think you are. I'm not done with your finances, even though you think it's all but gone. God says, I'm not done. And so God is speaking to us today. And the first thing he's telling us, I want to show you something here in Scripture. He says, the Lord took hold of me and carried; and I was carried away by the Spirit. He was in worship. And in this worshipful moment, he gets this picture in his mind of being, right? So it's almost like a daydream. He's, in, he's praying, he's worshiping God. And then it's almost like he dream, goes into a dream state and he imagines this, this, dry, this valley of dry bones. And God says, look at all these bones. Can I make this come alive again, Ezekiel? He's like, well, you are the Lord. You're the God of control. So you can do whatever you want to do, God. So God's trying to speak to Ezekiel here, just like he's talking to you and me. Number one, would you write this down? If you're going to believe again, you got to let the Lord take hold of you and open your mind. Many times, the only thing keeping us back from the things God has for us is that we have a closed mind. We've closed our minds to our marriage turning around. We've closed our minds to our kids acting better. We've closed our minds to that promotion. We've closed our minds to living a blessed life. We've closed our minds and just said, you know, I just can't, and you fill in the blank. I just can't get in shape. I just can't lose weight as you sit with a bluebell tub in front of you eating ice cream, right? I just can't be close to God. I just can't stop drinking. I just can't get that promotion. I just can't go back to school. I just can't save money. See, whatever you put I can't in front of stops you, but on the other side of your I can't is your future. But we've allowed ourselves, we've become self-fulfilling prophets of our own lives saying I just can't. But the last time I checked in Scripture, it says I can do all things through Christ. So when you say I can't, is that true or false? It's not true at all. You, You can do what you think you can't do. We tell ourselves we can't do stuff that we can do. Oh, I just can't lose weight. That's so That's so a lie. People way bigger than you are have lost tons more weight than you've lost. So you can do it. Well, I can't turn my marriage around. The Lord can. And there's people whose marriages are far worse than yours are right now, and God's turned their marriage around. Well, I just can't get my career going. There's people who have far worse jobs than you that have ended up in a much better place. Someone has been dealt a worse hand than you've been dealt with, and they're winning with it, which means you can win too. So instead of saying, I can't, God is asking us a probing question. Ezekiel, you think I can bring these bones back to life again? Well, God, I mean, you can do what you want to do. You are a sovereign God. Isn't that the excuse we use? Well, God can do what he wants to do. I can't get in shape, but God can do what he wants to do. What that speaks of is, is we know God can do everything, but, some, but we are basically admitting that our can't is really I won't. It's not I can't, it's I won't. I won't lose weight. So I'll just say I can't lose weight. I won't believe in my marriage again, so I can say I can't believe in my marriage again. See, often it's our can't is really and I won't. Or it's, it's, it's I commit to not doing that. People say, I just can't save money. Yes, you can. You can't put a dollar in savings account today. Are you sure you can't do that? I think you can. It's just that you've committed not to. We don't realize that when we say, I can't, we're saying, I'm committed, and I know people that will work hard to keep that commitment. I can't do that. And so they've told themselves, that's not going to happen for me, and so anytime a good opportunity happens, they push it away. No, 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 no that's not for me, because I know I can't be happy. I can't fall in love again. I can't be successful. I can't. We, we're telling ourselves that, we've committed to that, rather than committing to the things of God. First thing I want you to write down, number one, let the Lord take hold of you. Open your mind. We have to begin to believe God that he can turn things around. Be careful of what you were saying you can't do. You are repeating something the devil has worked hard to make you believe. Be careful what you say you can't do. You can. We've got to begin to believe again. So how do we do that? He says this. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, Listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign God in control Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put my flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Now, what does this mean? He says, speak a prophetic message. So Ezekiel is a prophet. God says, here is the prophecy. And so here's the thing. Before Ezekiel can speak it, he has to receive it, right? Right? And so I'm going to have a hard time selling you in something I'm not sold on, right? Which means that every good salesman has to be sold on their product personally before they can sell you on the product. If I don't think Honda's a good car, so I'm going to have a hard time selling you on a Honda. But if I do think you're good cars, I can easily sell them then, right? And so you got to be smoking what you're selling, right? Every good drug dealer does drugs. <laughs> Sorry, I noticed an oxymoron. I said good and drug dealer. I I realized. I realized. What I'm trying to say is you got to believe in what you're doing, right? If you don't believe in it, you can't push it on someone else. Not that you should be pushing drugs, but (laughs) the point is, is that you need to understand God's trying to convince you before you convince anyone else. He says, hey, Ezekiel, can I turn these dry bones into living bodies, breathing? Can I breathe life into them again? Well, Lord, I guess you can do that. He says, yes, I can, and I need you to speak it. And so, but he says you got to first believe it. What does that mean? Number two, this is a word we don't use in our society much. So I don't want to say it today. We need to, you need to receive your prophecy. What is a prophecy? Prophecy sounds like a big fat word. Please do not fall for the word prophecy at 3 a.m. in the morning on an infomercial. Please do not call the 800 number and give them your credit card. Please do not do that. I'm not talking about that. That's ridiculous. Don't do that. Prophecy is just. When God says something about you that will happen in the future. Did you know that really prophecy is just a spiritual promise of what is to come? You know the Bible is chock full of promises? There are 7,000 promises in this book. Have you laid claim to yours yet? They're waiting for you. You have all these promises, yet we live like we have no promise. You we've got all these promises from God. So we need to receive our prophecy we need to believe what God says about us. And God says a lot about you. So let me, just, let me just talk about that briefly if I can. So if your life is going to be full of life again, if we're going to breathe new life into your life, there are four stages to that. The first is breath. Would you write this down? The first is breath. This is when the Spirit of God comes upon you. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would physically come upon some person and then go away, and then come upon someone else and go away. In the New Testament, Jesus died on the cross. He, he it tore the veil in half, kind of confusing, I realized, but that's where the Spirit of God lived. The reason it was torn in half is because now through Christ, it's available to each and every one of us. So we can personally receive Christ, and the Holy Spirit comes within us and does not leave. So it's sealed through Christ dying for you. That's what, I mean, in other words, like you can't mess it up. Isn't that nice to know? So when you receive Christ, you get the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. The Bible calls that being born again, calls that you are a new creation, you have new life. There's lots of words for it, but when you see breath or wind or air in the Bible, that is re- representing the Spirit of God coming upon you, coming within you. And when you receive Christ, the Spirit of God is what actually comes in you. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you. This last week, we had a great representation of that. We had a great symbol of that through baptism. A lot of people that have received Christ took the next step to tell the world that they are now Christians, that they have the breath of God within them by getting baptized. Check out this video. people got baptized last weekend right here at Church Unlimited. Unbelievable. Every one of those people that got baptized represents a life that has been changed, that has been full of the breath of God, breathing new life into them. I hate to break it to you, but if you have not become a Christ follower, you can turn over a new leaf, but you can't turn over a new life on your own. It'll die down. You can get psyched up, but it'll die down. Why? Because the breath of God is on you. That's the sustaining power to keep you going. You, listen, the only way you're going to have a new life, new life in your life is to get the new life that Christ offers and to, to become a Christ follower follower. More on that later. We're going to explain to you how you can become a Christ follower if you have not. But that is the first step. He breathes his life into you. Here's the next step. Then after breath, it says what? He says he's going to take those bones and bring them together. So what does that mean? Structure. If you want your life to change, you've got to change your daily routine. You've got to put some new structure in place for things to change. The next one here is strength which is where God puts muscle on the bone, right? And so what does that represent? That represents starting power and stamina. Every morning when I get up, I push myself out of bed with my muscles, right? And so if I didn't have the muscles, I couldn't push myself out of bed. And muscles is what makes me walk. It gives me my step. It takes muscle to walk. When people are running marathons, I hear when they say, I just couldn't finish it, my legs gave out. Was it their bones that gave out? No, it was the muscle that gave out that didn't allow them to keep going. And so we, you know, the Bible says to wait upon the Lord, for he will renew your strength. And so God's saying that if you want your life to be different, let me breathe my life into you, structure your life, change your daily routine, and add strength. In other words, you need to get started on what you stopped doing that you know you're called to do, or have the stamina to keep going and doing what you know God has called you to do. We need strength. And the last one is we need to flesh it out to flesh it out. This means you have a workable plan. We need a workable plan to see life come back into our life, to see life come back into our careers, into our relationships, into our daily routine, into our walk with God. And so you have to have a workable plan. You're on the workable plan right now, I don't know if you realize or not, but just coming to church, you're getting new life breathed into you right now. The Word of God is coming inside of you, and it breathes new life into you. It's exciting, isn't it? How do you guys feel right now? You can sense God moving among us, moving within you. That is how God works. By the way, I want to challenge you guys to join us uh, and continue with this whole series. Next week, we're talking about uh, what do you do when you're dealing with a dead-end job. We're talking about breathing new life and things. If you drive up to work and just kind of go, oh. Every time I pull up to work. Next week is for you. Don't miss next week. Then the third week, so we're gonna we're gonna breathe some new life into those old bones at work, right? Then the third week of the series, we're gonna breathe new life into a dead end marriage. And if you're like me, my marriage I just feel like it's dead. And so, if that's you, don't miss that. Please don't raise your hand. We don't need a witness right now. If that's you. But don't miss this, because you may say, oh, man, that, that's, you know, we're, I'm no longer young anymore and all that. I mean, that, all that love and romance and all that stuff, that's, that's, we're passing. No, you're not. That's ridiculous. No, you're not. God wants to breathe some new life into some old bones. If you're not careful, your old bones will start jumping some old bones if you come the third week. <laughs> I'm just saying. It happened for Abraham and Sarah. It can happen. Old bones can jump old bones, and then stuff happens. So, Anyways. So, don't miss this series. See, why are you guys laughing at me? You're encouraging me. You know that you're part of the problem. <laughs> don't miss this series. I want to encourage you to be here for the entire thing. It's going to be a lot of fun. Don't miss out. Let me just say this real quick before we go any further about receiving your prophecy. What God said about you before you were defeated from something still matters, still counts. So what happens is we go through a defeat, and we think, oh, we're done. We're just done. But God, God, God says, I'm not done with you. Because he said, hey, can these old bones come to life again? When you look at old bones on the ground, you're like, well, that's obviously done. You'd never look at an old bone on the ground and think, oh, that's probably going to come back to life again. You'd think, no, it's done. It's past its time. It's over, right? But it's not over, according to God, until he says it's over. Your life's not over until he says it's over. Your career's not over until he says it's over. Your marriage is not over until he says it's over. Your dreams are not over until he says they're over. And he hasn't said they're over. He still has plans for your life. If he was done with you, you'd be done. You wouldn't be breathing right now. If God wanted to take you home, he could take you home. He still has things for you to do. He is not finished with you. You know the Bible says that the calling and gifts of God are without repentance. You know what that means? That means they're irrevocable. What God has gifted you at, you are not supposed to stop doing. But you know what happens? We get so discouraged because of our last defeat, because of our last difficulty, that we remember our last painful moment we had, and we think, oh, what's the point? I'm just a loser. I can't do anything. What happens is, is the devil cannot take your gifts, so he tries to take your confidence so you won't use your gifts. And so he's trying to get you discouraged. If you can get you discouraged, you won't actually do anything with all the gifting that God gave you. But the gifts don't go away even if you mess up. Get up and go again. You know great quarterbacks get this. You're going to watch some great quarterbacks this afternoon, I'm sure. I will tell you, great quarterbacks have, the, have an, a very special gift. It, it's the gift of amnesia. When they come off the field after throwing interception, they go back into the game two minutes later as if they didn't do that, and then they throw a touchdown. You gotta go pro on this. You gotta learn to forget your mistakes of the past, get over those. Those are covered under the blood of Christ and move forward instead of focusing on your past defeat. God says, I'm not focused on it. Why are you? I'm not done with you. Get back out there. You've got more to do. So look what happens next. He says what? So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, There was a rattling noise across the valley. The bones of each body came together. Can you imagine Steven Spielberg making this happen for you on on camera? How cool would this be? The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Wow. Wow. So you see all these bones all of a sudden start moving and rattling and coming together and forming a skeleton, and the skeleton stands up. Then muscle suddenly appears on the skeleton, and then all of a sudden skin wraps around, and you see these lifeless bodies everywhere. You're thinking, this is so cool. I mean, now, I don't know if I'd be terrified or think this is the coolest thing ever. I'm not sure which. But it'd be pretty amazing. It's, like, it's almost like opposite Pirates of the Caribbean here. Like it all comes together, you know? I mean, it would be so neat to see this. But I want to point something out. When did it happen? Did it happen when God spoke it? No. It happened when he spoke it. So this is interesting. Couldn't God have done it without Ezekiel? Clearly, right? He didn't need Ezekiel to do this. But God chooses to say, I am going to tell you what I'm going to do, but then I'm not going to do it until you speak it. So this is important number three. Speak what was spoken over you. You got to learn to speak the prophecies spoken over you. I don't know you're succeeding when people in your household start to say, you sound like Pastor Bill. You're speaking what's been spoken over you then. You start quoting me, you start quoting the preacher you listen to, then that means you're speaking what's been spoken over you, and that's when you begin to see life change, because you've got to believe it enough that you start speaking yourself. The truth is, you know what? You're already speaking what's been spoken over you. You're already doing it. You've been speaking what's been spoken over you for years. Someone told you you're fat and ugly, and you remembered it, and you keep saying it again and again and again about your life. And you can probably remember where you were when it happened, who said it, why they said it. You can give me a whole breakdown of all the details, but you forgot about the person who said, Man, you are hot, you are gorgeous, you are beautiful. You probably forgot about the person who said that, but I bet someone said it. But you always forget about that, don't you? You say, I'm useless, I can't accomplish anything because someone told you that at the last job you were fired from. What about the person who said, Man, you're gifted, you're talented? See, we forget about those things, don't we? I don't know what it is about the human condition, but we always remember the bad stuff, don't we? A hundred of you today could tell me, great sermon. Someone tells me I did a bad job, I'm going to remember that one. Are you that way too? If I tell my wife, I'm serious, I've done this so many times, I look at my wife in the face and I go, you are so beautiful. And she looks at me and she says, you're legally blind, clearly. I'm like, no, I'm not. And you're laughing, ladies, because you do it too, don't you? When someone looks at you and says, wow, you are just gorgeous, you are just beautiful, and every woman rolls her eyes and goes, oh, you're crazy, obviously, you're deluded, you're nuts. I mean, No, we're not. We see with our own eyes, you're beautiful, but you won't receive it. And I think it's because the cue on your tape is already filled up with all that negativity and you won't erase it so we can replace it and tell you, no, forget who told you you're ugly, that you're not talented, that you don't have this and that. You've been playing back the wrong tape. (laughs) Speak the right stuff over you. Someone told you you're all that in a bag of chips. Someone told you you're the bomb. Someone told you you're beautiful. Someone told you you're awesome and smart and sweet and you're this and you're that. And we need to learn to speak those things over our lives. Speak what has been spoken to you. When I was 19 years old, I went to this, uh, this thing, uh, the denomination I grew up in, they used to do these things called lay renewals. And I went, my parents had me go, and, and it was across town, and I was already in college, and I was trying to finish up my classes. And my dad said, Hey, me across to town, here's the address. This is like forever ago before I had an iPhone that would guide me. And so my kids say this was back in the 1800s, but whatever. And so I'm driving. <laughs> I'm going across town in Houston to this place and I'm 19 and so they put me on the youth team, right? They had like an adult team to lead the adults at this church and I was on the youth team to lead the youth so we show up. I'm late. I walk in and I was like, ah oh, man, I really want to be there on time and because I was late I didn't get to meet anybody in the leadership or anything and they kind of formulated a plan about an hour before and they go do it. And so I get there and they're like, hey, you know, hi, I'm Bill. My parents are in that group and they're like, okay, cool. Hey, um, there's one new girl too. She's got a group, a small group. Why don't you just go be her assistant? I was like, sure, that's great. I'll just go sit in there with her. she needs anything, I'll help her out. So I sit down in this group. I was late, so I don't know a single person there. I sit down, and this girl starts talking to the group. There's only about five or six students in our group, and it became very obvious within just a few minutes she didn't know what she was doing. Not just obvious to me, but obvious to all the students, which means they began to just eat her alive. That's what students will do if you don't take charge of the group. And so she's going over her notes, trying to figure out what to do, and they're just talking among each other. And so three or four minutes of this, it's it's just painful, and, and, and I really felt the Holy Spirit. I was frustrated going, oh. I'll just, I'll handle this, you know. And the Holy Spirit just told me, no, you won't. You were late. She's in charge. I was like, okay, God. So I sat back. I felt like the Lord was really teaching me a lesson of authority. I am, I was told very clearly, I'm not leading this group. Someone else is like, got it. So I just sat there, and she led the group. It wasn't going well. After about five or ten minutes of her stumbling all over herself a bit, and I'm not trying to be ugly, but it, it's true, she turned to me and looked at her notes, and she just said, "Do you have anything you want to say?" I was like, "Are you sure you want me to kind of lead out here?" She goes, "Yes. Would you mind?" I was like, "No, I don't mind." So I just turned to the group and I said, and "I didn't even—I didn't see the notes. I didn't know what the notes said." I said, "Hey, so like, are you guys Christians?" And all of them were like, "Yeah, yeah." So looked at the guy beside me and I said, "So you're a Christian?" He goes, "Yeah." I said, "How long have you been a Christian?" He goes, "My whole life." And I knew right then, I was like, he doesn't know what I mean, because you're not a Christian your whole life. What that means, when someone says that, is they think they're a Christian, but they've never received Christ. What that means is they were raised in a Christian home, and they went to church their whole life, and that's great, but if there's not a specific moment that you ask Jesus Christ to be your personal Lord and Savior, then dare I say you're not a Christian. Now, let me defend you, that may be you today. You may be going, whoa, 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 whoa. So, But just hear the story, maybe this will help you a little bit too. So well, I talked to the guy and I said, so do you remember a time when you realized that you personally needed Jesus and prayed a prayer, something like this, Jesus, come in my heart, forgive me my sins, I repent of my sins, I want to make you my Lord. Do you, do you ever? no, I've never done that. I said, well, that's what it means to become a Christian. And he said to me, I thought being a Christian just meant you're a good guy. That's a common misconception. I said, actually, those, if you're a good guy, that just means you're a good guy. So you may be a really great guy. I said, but to be a Christian means to follow Christ, means to commit your life to him. He's like, oh, I I didn't know that. So yeah, Jesus died for your sins, for all the things we've done wrong. He covers all those at the cross, and we accept him in our life, and we get to go to heaven because we know him. And I just explained the whole thing. And he was like, oh, okay. So I just said to him, I turned back to the girl. I was like, are you okay? She's like, keep going, keep going. I was like, okay. So I said, would you like to receive Christ? He was like, yeah. I was like, we can pray right now. And the other students in the room, some of them looked shell-shocked because I guess this guy was a guy that like, they th- never thought would become a Christian. And so he's like, sure. So I was like, let's pray. So we bowed our heads, and I led him in the prayer to receive Christ. He received Christ. We looked up. Jesus' name, amen. He looked up, and he was like, that's so cool. I was like, yeah. That's amazing. I said, congratulations. Then the guy sitting next to him said, hey. I was like, yeah. He goes, I want to do that too. I looked at her. And I was like, are you? She's like, keep going, keep going. I was like, okay. So we led him to Christ, explained the whole thing. He prayed the prayer. Then the girl sitting next to both of them said, okay, hold on. I want in on this too. So then a third time we knelt down, we bowed our heads, we prayed, and she received Christ too. And now I looked at the other two I was like, you guys don't they were like, yes, we're both Christians. I was like, okay, awesome. And so it was really cool. About that time they said, okay, let's break up the small groups, everyone come back into the large group. So we go back in there and the girl who couldn't say five words all of a sudden speaks up and she goes, hey, you're not going to believe what happened to my group. And I was like, oh, wow. And she goes, tell them, Bill. I was like, oh, uh, well, and they were like, what happened? I said, well, um, I, I, th- this is so-and-so, and uh, he became a Christian. He's like, yeah, I did. I just prayed and asked Christ. He was like, yeah, I just I became a Christian. I was like, cool, you know, and, and then the other guy, I did too. And so then the guy leading the whole group, I'd never met him before. I was late. He goes, hey, you, come here. He calls him up to the front of the room. He goes, come up here and tell him how to do that. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, tell him how to become a Christian. Then he walks off, and I'm just standing there. I was like... Okay. Um, here's what I prayed with him, and here's why. I just explained it. I look at the guy, and I was like, so do you want to come back up? And he was like, no. And he looked at me from the back of the room. And he goes, keep going. I was like, okay. So now I'm just going off memory, like what I've seen done elsewhere. And I was like, okay, let's, uh, let's all, let's all bow our heads. So everyone bows their head. And I was like, so if you want to become a Christian, you can pray this prayer with me. And I lead them through this prayer. At the end of the prayer, I say, in Jesus' name, I said, with your, and I remember this because I've seen this done. This is the only reason I know this. I've seen other preachers do it. I was like, with your head bowed, if you prayed that prayer, slip your hand up. Half the room's hands went up. I was shocked. I was like, oh, oh my gosh. It was so cool. So then I look at the guy, and he's like, keep going. And I'm like, I don't know what to do next. So I was like, okay, come forward. I didn't know what that meant. I just know I've seen people do that. I was like, you guys, come forward. I don't know what I'm going to do with you, but just come forward. So they come forward, and there's a bunch of adults over here, some older people, and older is really relative, because I was only 19, so everyone was older in the whole place. But, so I said, y'all come forward, and they came forward, and I was like, okay, so you guys go that way, and the adults, I'm making this up as I go, are going to talk with you about what you just did. And so they all walk over there, and the adults, they paired up with them, and they sat them down, and they began talking to talk them. And then this guy comes up, concludes the meeting, and as soon as it's done, he pulled me aside, he goes, hold on, come here. He goes, what's your name? I told him, and he looked at me, and he said, young man, you have the call of God on your life. You need to do what you just did over and over again. I was like, let me tell you something. I took a hold of what that guy said to me, and I've been running on it for 25 years. Speak what's been spoken over your life. There is something you do that when someone knocks over one domino, one domino goes over. When you knock over one domino, this area, one domino goes over. But there's some area of your life you knock over one domino and a hundred fall down. That's your anointing. That's your calling. That's something that God equipped you and gifted you to do. And so I speak over you now as a prophet today to tell you that you are equipped and you are gifted and you have destiny on you and you need to step into what God told you to do. It's time for you to do what God made you to do. I speak that over you and it's time for you to start speaking that over your life as well. God has gifted you. Speak what was spoken over you. God has gifted you. He has called you to do something. You have a calling on your life. Every one of us does in different areas. And I want to challenge you to begin to listen to this and repeat it. Quit repeating the things that have limited you and start repeating the things that people have spoken over you that are positive, that impact your life. What coaches and teachers and leaders and your parents and other friends have told you, man, you're good at this. I can see God on you. I can see this greatness in you. You need to hang out with those people and listen to what they're saying to you. We keep listening to the wrong people. Labels are libels. Don't let someone label you. You're a failure. You're a loser. No such thing. If they're, just, they're just taking what they've been told and repeating it to you now. Don't you dare speak that over your life. Don't you even listen to that anymore. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. You have greatness on you, and God has called me out to call you out. It's time for you to believe it. You have more in you. Scripture goes on to say this. It says this. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign, God of control, Lord says, come, O breath, from the four winds. I looked up, what does the, the four winds mean? Here's what that means. It means wind from the north, the south, the east, and the west. What does that mean? It means God is conspiring. He has a conspiracy going on right now, okay? There is a conspiracy that God is causing everything from heaven to earth and everything around you to help you win, to help you become all that he has for you, God is conspiring with all that around you. When he breathes on you, he causes everything around you to work in your direction, and direction God has for your life. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Okay, now we have the camera pulled back and we realize this isn't a handful of people. This is hundreds of even thousands of people all over the place, and now they're a great army. Now we realize, now we know why we were in a valley with a bunch of dry bones. This is where a great army was defeated. God is speaking to you at your point of defeat. That's where He wants to talk to you today. Let's talk about the one thing you don't want to talk about. Let's talk about where, where you keep getting defeated, where you keep getting beaten down. God says, I'm talking directly to that today. And you think you're done, and you think you've been whooped, and you think you can't get up. I'm going to cause you to get up again because you're still a great army and that last defeat is not supposed to stop you. You're not done until I say you're done. Get up again. That's what the Bible says here. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. Whenever you see the word Israel in the Bible, write the word church over it and you and I are the church. So it's referring to us. Jesus, by the way, in case you didn't know, was from Israel. He's Jewish. I don't know if you knew that or not. When he died on the cross, when we accept him into our lives, he does what? He adopts us into the family. I get this whole adoption thing. I have adopted a child. And I will tell you that Sophie has every right that our biological children have to our family, to our inheritance, to everything we have, everything I own, it is hers as much as my boy's. You know why? She's fully in. And so I get this whole adoption thing. You and I are fully in with God. He adopts you into the family. There's no question, well, you know, you're not really like us. Yes, you are. You are family, straight up. That God says, I adopted you into the family. So, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. So, who is that? That's who. You and me. Represents us. He says, they are saying, we have become old, dry bones, all hope is gone. So, they are saying it, but is it true? God doesn't say, well, they're dried up and all hope is gone. No, he says, no, they're saying it. Did you catch that? Be careful what you say. You're not dried up and all hope is gone. You keep saying you're dried up and all hope is gone, but you're not. Because if they keep saying that, our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign God of control says. Oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again. The Lord has spoken. Number four, it is not about you. It's going to surprise you, but when we pull back, we realize you coming to life again is not about you. It's about the army you're in. So it's about the army you are in and the mission you are on. God's bringing new life to you, not just for you. It's about the army you're in. It's about the mission you're on. There's people who believe the same thing you believe about Jesus, but they're not a part of this army, this local chapter. They're not a part of what God's doing here. Some of you right now thinking, well, this is just kind of one of those inspirational, motivational messages. No, it's not. I am here to prophesy over your life. You're not just any church. You're at this one where I'm talking about this today. This is a prophecy specifically for you today. Receive it. This is for you. God gave me this. He woke me up in the middle of the night. I was up all night writing and praising God because I knew he gave me a word for you today. I'm not encouraging you. I'm telling you the truth. Do not confuse that. This is what God says about you this is the army you're in and this is the mission you were on now notice something this is where I just had to stop it just blew my mind I thought okay Lord you're showing us the whole breath of life from Genesis 2 verse 7 where you breathe life into Adam and then the Spirit of God told me no that's not what I'm saying you think I'm talking about Adam I'm not talking about Adam because when I breathe life into Adam God says when I breathe life into Adam the Holy Spirit told me we started with dirt with him we didn't start with dirt in this text did we we started with what? bones. So who is it in the Bible that God breathed life into someone when they started with bones? You know who he did that with? Eve. What does that mean? God is saying, I'm breathing new life in you, and what breathes new life in you is you finally realize that your purpose is to be the bride. And so listen, you know when you come alive again? When you finally realize you're the bride of Christ. Christ. That's what you and I are. When we become his bride, what he calls the church, he also calls the bride. He also calls the army of the Lord, the fellowship, the family of God. This is not just about you. The reason God's saying I want you to reach your full potential is because you represent Christ. You're the bride of Christ. You are God's trophy wife, and he wants to show you off. That's the way he sees you. I love my bride. I have a pretty decent car. I like my car, but my wife's car, whoo she got a nice one. Why? Could I spoil her? And you can sit here and you can critique me all you want, but I don't care what you say. I bought that for her. I just brought it home. I didn't ask her because she would have said no. Oh no, I can't drive that. Oh yes, you can. You're my wife. You're driving that, and I want to show you off. I have no problem with that. You can say what you want. You know what? That's my wife. Make sense? And I say I want to get you the nicest clothes and take on the nicest vacations I can possibly afford. Why? Because you're my. Oh honey, I, don't need it all. I didn't say you need it all. I need to do it because I love you, and I want to show you off. I want to spoil you. Why? Because you're my bride. How do you think God feels about you if I feel that way about my wife? He wants to spoil you. You are his bride. He is crazy in love with you. He's chasing you around. He's nuts about you. You know why? Because he sent his son to die for you. He does not die for someone that's not worthy of something. He does not die for people that don't have destiny. He does not die for people who don't have a plan. He's got big things for you. God brought me here to tell you no more small time thinking. None of the small time itty bitty thinking. Oh, it's just little old me. No, God says I'm way bigger than that. You need to quit thinking small and start thinking big because you are a child of the living God. You need to start acting like it. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. You got the future of God in you. You need to start living like it and start living this limited life because you are the church. That's exactly right. And it's time to start living that way. God brought me here to say I'm breathing new life into you. Quit acting like you're dead when I'm not done with you. I've got big plans for your life. And I'm putting you on notice right now that he expects you to start living bigger. He expects you to start thinking bigger and start doing bigger things because he did not call you to small time. He called you to great things. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. I'm fired up. And I want you to know that you better catch fire because I did. God has big things for you, He's got big plans for you. Quit thinking small, quit limiting your life with your mouth, and start speaking the greatness of God that's been spoken into you. If you're not going to speak the greatness of God in you that I'm speaking over you, quit wasting my time. I'm trying to give you the truth of God. It's time for you to live it. You better go to work differently. You better go home differently. You better approach your grades and your studies differently. Why? The greatness of God's on you. Get that education. Don't just get it. Whip it. Learn it. Be the best in the class. Step it up. Level up. God has more for you. With living small, because your living small does not do God a favor. You represent Christ everywhere you go. You're his bride. Act like it. Live the life he called you to. You have more in you. Oh, God's fired me up. But that's because I'm trying to speak something over you, and I want you to get it. You got more in you guys. You do. Would you bow your heads with me every head bowed, every eye closed? My prayer right now in this prayer time is that you receive what's being spoken over you. I can't make you receive it. I can only deliver it. But right now, will you just receive it? Oh, God's put this burden on my heart to tell you how much he loves you, how much he believes in you. He says, receive my forgiveness and healing. You're not the last defeat that you went through. You're bigger than that. God has so much for you. Will you receive it now? Will you just lift your hands high to God and say, God, I receive it. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your forgiveness. I am not my addiction. I'm a child of God. I am not my divorce. I'm a child of God. I am not my last failure. I'm a child of God. I am not the conviction that my record says. I'm a child of God. My record says forgiven, made new, a new creation, reborn. That's what my record says. You receive that because you have way more in you You, if you only knew what God thought of you. Oh, it's crazy cool that we get to believe in God, but what's really even more amazing is that he believes in us. He believes in you so much you sent his son. Would you receive his love? His forgiveness, his destiny, he's pouring over you saying, you may have thought this was dead and gone. I'm not done. I've got big things for you. You receive it now. You receive it now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We receive it right now. In the name of Jesus, we receive this. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you've never trusted Christ, you say, I'm a good guy. I thought I was a Christian already. If you've never prayed a specific prayer to ask Christ to come into your life, this is how you become a Christ follower. You can receive him right now. I'm praying a very simple prayer. Would you pray this prayer with me? You can say this out loud across all of our campuses. We're going to lead you in this prayer. You can say, Dear Jesus, I believe you died for me. You paid the price for my sins, and you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I place you in first place. I will follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ain't God good? Word is so true.